Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Lipinski, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, as we prepare to say an unofficial goodbye to summer, it can mean only one thing. Our fall preview issue is hitting stands. Now, when I was a reader back in the day, this was my favorite issue to buy. You know, with school starting and a new year beginning of sorts, I just always felt like the shows were changing too, and I couldn't wait to see what was next and like what stories they planned. Needless to say, this year is no exception. Uh, on Bold and Beautiful, we're gonna see Sheila ramp up her plans to be close to Hayes and Finn, and Ridge will make a choice between Taylor and Brooke. On Days of Our Lives, John, Marlena, Steve, Kayla, Kate, and Roman will band together to fight Orpheus. Stefan and Gabby will come face to face. And Xander and Sarah will say I do at last. On General Hospital, Holly's return will shake up Port Charles. Liz will make the decision to get answers about her past. And Laura will return to town. And finally, on Young and the Restless, something surprising and painful from Ashley's past will draw her back to Genoa City. The situation with Nick, Sally, and Adam will explode. And attention, Skyle fans, they're going to have a vow renewal ceremony to make up for their off-screen nuptials. I think that is such a smart idea. You know, I, I totally understand why the Skyle fans felt cheated by them remarrying off camera. Like, we so fans need to see our weddings. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's a place for off-screen nups, namely when it's shocking to find out after the fact that two characters tied the knot. But when it's a beloved couple, we need that payoff. So I'm very happy for Skyle Nation that they will get that vow renewal. Uh, there's also some interesting casting news to report out of GH. Chloe Lanier, whose Nell plummeted to her presumed death back in 2020, is making a short-term return to the show this coming week. I interviewed Chloe for the new issue, and she told me that when the show's executive producer, Frank Valentini, reached out to her with an idea to include Nell in an upcoming story, she immediately said yes, and then absolute panic set in when it came time to actually commit a soap opera-level amount of dialogue to memory. And she said she had also totally forgotten how she played Nell and had to look up some videos to remind herself how she walked, how she talked uh, in the you know shoes of that character. But she said she had a great time catching up with the cast and crew and gave a very sweet shout out in particular to Cynthia Watros, who plays Nina. Uh, Chloe said she doesn't even know if Cynthia knows this, but when she was going through a hard time a few years back, Cynthia's kindness and support was hugely important to her. And so she was really happy to see her again. Oh, I love hearing that, Anna. I hope Cynthia's listening. Um, now, there are also some big stories brewing for the week ahead. Uh, Talia's article on Diane will come out on Young and the Restless, which will cause major drama. And we will also see that she has a mysterious someone in her corner. On days, the walls are closing in on Leo, who is accused of stabbing Sonny. And look for Leo's portrayer, Greg Rickhart, to don a nurse's uniform and full wig and makeup for that story. Um, also, the show's revisiting Jennifer's pill addiction, and we will learn that she's been popping them in the wake of Abigail's death, which I think is a really great story point to like bring up again because it's so relevant to this, you know, new tale. Um, yeah. And Bold and Beautiful's Liam will deal with feeling like the odd man out now that Thomas is taking more of an active role with Douglas. And we're also going to see Heather Tom back as Katie. Uh, she's been off directing Dynasty. Well, welcome back to Heather. We are also going to see GH's Spencer go to the party celebrating Trina's exoneration with a letter confessing his feelings to her in hand. So Sprina fans should definitely not miss this week. Uh, also in the new issue, we have a feature with Remington Hoffman, Daisy 
pleases Lee, who has been doing such a lovely job as his role on the show has expanded. You know, I love it when a character like Lee, who's been a familiar face since 2020, that's expanded upon and really gets a turn in the storyline sun, if you will. That is always a smart strategy, in my opinion. Uh, you know, going the slow burn route rather than bringing on a new character who isn't familiar to the audience and putting them front and center. It, it's not a perfect comparison, but in a similar fashion, we've seen TJ Ashford's role on the GH canvas grow like little by little since he was introduced back in 2012 as a high school student. And now in 2022, he's proven to be such an asset to the show as a son, as a nephew, as a domestic partner, as a doctor. And it never felt forced. And even with, you know, multiple recasts along the way, I feel like TJ is just such a solid young leading man and always a welcome presence. And I love that they're giving him so much front burner storyline material um, and we're seeing much more of him, which is why it's the perfect time to be talking to his portrayer, Taj Bellow. So let's get him on the line and check in about all things TJ. Hi, Taj. Hey. How you doing? Fantastic. How are you guys doing? We're good. Uh, We are so looking forward to talking to you today. Mara has raved about the interviews that she has done with you. So I'm very excited to also be part of the conversation now. Uh, Oh, yes. Don't (laughs) screw it up, Taj. I'll do my best. Okay. No promises. No promises. Well, let's start at the beginning. You were born and raised in Texas. So tell us about growing up there and what kind of kid you were. So I was born in Texas City, Texas. That is a city close to Galveston, Texas. So that is where I had my first seven years of life. And then I moved to Houston, AKA Katy, Texas. Um, And that was the place I lived until 12 years old. So that was my beginning, Tejas, Texas. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your mom and dad, Alvin and Latasha. My parents are hilarious. Uh, My dad is an incredible cook. You will never have a bowl of gumbo like you will have from my father. He is like an authentic Lake Charles, Louisiana Creole. So I'm very blessed to have jambalaya and etouffee and all of these great, great, tasty, delicious things at, uh, at Orange Reach. My dad is also hilarious. He's a singer, very charismatic, entertaining man. So I got, got a few things from him. I think it's safe to say. My mom is a literal mind. <laughs> she is super intelligent, very uh, very persistent, very charming as well. And yeah, she just gets it done. Whatever it is that she aligns with or that she says she will do, give her time, it's done. So my mom's a legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I understand you have two siblings. So where do you fall in the birth order and how would you rate yourself as a brother? I'm a middle child, guys. I am a middle child, so... Do we need to unpack a that of... a little? <laughs> yeah, we can unpack it a little bit. <laughs> I needed so much love. I'm just kidding. I got it. But yeah, being the middle child, I was actually not special at all, given that I'm a little brother. So I'm I'm not the firstborn, and I'm also not the first boy. So I was the next boy, and... I have a little sister, so there's a baby girl. So we have the oldest first son, and then the (laughs) precious, special baby girl. And then there's me out here, too. Hey, guys. What's up? (laughs) So, you know, my humble beginnings were definitely a lot of hand-me-downs from my brother. But I loved it. Like, my brother is my best friend so when i could wear my big brother's clothes i felt cool you know that was the swag i'm like yeah abercrombie and fitch for my brother nice so i didn't really feel it until like i matured and i and i, and I processed oh okay so we're just we're just not gonna have new clothes for ourselves <laughs> i see <laughs> and then the godparents you know love my godparents but on uh, on the holidays like my, my little sweet sister i love her she's the best but she would get the sweet chocolate bunnies and the little things and my brother would get something and then oh yeah Taj like uh, let's figure out something for him too you know we should we should do that <laughs> uh, that was but it was great it was great it was it I was definitely I never lacked anything uh, I played football growing up in Texas so my dad was at like every game every practice you know in Texas football is 
is religion in a sense. So there's Jesus and then there's football. Like you have to play. Um, so I was, I, I loved it. Uh, my brother played too. And my sister was actually a cheerleader for this, uh, this youth league team that I played for. We were the Katy Patriots. So somehow when you were around 12, the family moved to California, right? And the, oh, yes, I yeah. have it. Okay. That, yeah. So there was an international festival uh, in Houston and there was talent scouts and they asked me, do you want to be an actor and a model? And I was like, sure. Okay. I don't really understand how, but that sounds really fun. So I took my picture, yada, yada, yada. And later they actually called me and they wanted me to come in for a, a cold read, which is when you get, you know, a few lines or a small script on the day and you present it immediately or perform it immediately. Uh, so I go to this place, hundreds of people there, and I do my little skit. And they only keep two of us out of literally hundreds of people. It's me and uh, another younger girl. And they're like, he needs to be acting. <laughs> and there's a, 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 a showcase that happened. The next thing you know, I'm moving to California because my family really believes in me. It was amazing. And we were being told by these larger entities of the industry in Houston that this is where I need to be. So boom. Wow. Origin story. <laughs> well, that must've been a big transition and decision for your family. So do you remember any of the discussions that took place about it? Were you all on board to move? Oh yeah. Uh, they are incredibly supportive still are to this day. Um, yeah. They asked me, like, how do you, how do you feel about, about this? Like, is this something you would want to do? And, Whenever I was performing, I, I felt incredibly alive. Like I loved playing with toys when I was a kid. I'd play with them for too long, um, but I could build and, you know, like create these worlds that were completely dictated and narrated by me and, and what I wanted to create. So acting for me was like, wow, I'm the toy. And this is now my toy experience. But, in, you know, like that's a weird way to explain it, but. I love toys and now I got to play, but with humans and I got to be another hero or character or, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. in, in yeah. that regard. So my mind really spent and enjoyed it and lived in that place. So I, I really wanted to do it. Um, and we moved, started with pilot season, the classic child actor story. And we went to the Oakwood, which is now the Toluca Lake Avalon. Uh, I said that backwards. Avalon Toluca Lake. Uh, and we did that. So for a couple of months, I was I was auditioning, doing the homeschooling situation and, and adapting and seeing if we wanted to stay. So that was it was a tester, like a, a test run. And at that point, auditioning and I had some good feedback. We decided to make the actual move. And that was in 2007. Well, by 2008, you were uh, featured in a small part in the hilarious movie Role Models, which I remember going to see in the theaters starring Paul Rudd and uh, Sean William Scott. So was that yeah. like one of your first big breaks? That was insane. I was in seventh grade. I believe I was in history class and the principal over the, the intercom calls me. Taj, Bella, can you please come to the front office? I'm like, oh man, I'm a good kid. What did I do? <laughs> I'm terrified. Like, I, I never get called to the principal's office ever. Like, I had good grades, dotted my T's backwards, dotted my eyes, crossed my T's. I'm going to do that throughout this podcast. <laughs> you were such a good student. You even dotted your T's. Right. I, I did extra things that weren't even alphabetically related. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I go, I go to the front office and they're like, Taj, you are going to be role models. I'm like, what? Huh? What? Huh? I probably said that like four times in sequence. What? Huh? What? Huh? And then my parents, you know, they picked me up and we were so excited because it, it, in my 15 years, I understand now how rare that is. Um, but then to me, it was magical and it was whoa, anything is possible and, and we can, we can really do this. You know, like it was, it was, it was fairytale like, and I was blessed to have that initial experience because that carried weight going forward when things would, you know, tend to be in a dry season, I would have memories like that to help me progress and carry forward. Um, 
Yeah, but it was amazing. It, I haven't relived that moment until now. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to actually be on the set of, of that film? It was great. Sean William Scott was so kind. Um, it was my mom and I. So he was just talking to us, asking us how we liked everything, if we were comfortable, you know, giving me you know a few tips about preparation before the shoot day. Just things he didn't have to do, but but he did because... He's a good guy. And I was a kid that looked up to him. So he really honored that and made it a great day. Also, the kids were hilarious that we filmed with. And I, again, was from Texas. So the mindset of these child actors, I realized, I I knew then, I was like, wow, they're a lot more mature than me, but we're the same age. Like they, they're thinking in a different place, you know, like not saying I wasn't, but just the things that they're able to perceive and process, they were doing that more often in a mature way. So it was like a super sociological experiment as well. When I was there, I was observing so many things at once. So that was, that was my experience. Mm -hmm. I was a sponge like all kids, but super sponge. (laughs) Um, Well, in 2009, you appeared in the TV movie Gifted Hands, the Ben Carson story, playing a young version of Ben Carson's brother, Curtis. So what do you remember about working on that project? So crazy connection there, uh, or a little synchronicity, if you may. The first thing I ever wanted to do was to be a neurologist or a neurosurgeon. I was 10 and I was really just fascinated with the mind and how we haven't discovered much of it yet or 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 we, ha- we haven't discovered how to put to use much of it yet as far as its capacity is concerned and that i was obsessed with it i was like whoa we don't understand anything guys it's, we have unlimited potential uh i don't know what i was thinking but i was thinking that and then <laughs> i booked gifted hands which is the story of ben carson who is an incredibly famous neurosurgeon um so that was my first lead in a movie. I was like, wow, that's, that has to be connected. But that was amazing. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was incredibly focused every time I met him. So he set the standard for what it means um, to lead. And although I didn't have as many conversations as, uh, with him as I, I would have liked to, um, being next to him and seeing how he operated and, and seeing his, the space that he sets of, of silence and uh, just his commitment to being whatever he needed to be emotionally for what he was about to shoot. That was an amazing learning experience. Uh, and then Kimberly Elise, who played, who, uh, who was my mother, Ben Carson's mother, Sonia, um, in the film, I saw her as well. And she was the first time I, I, I processed that actors would prepare lines by themselves. I was like, who's your scene partner? Who do you work on your lines with? And she said, oh, baby, you'll learn that sometimes you're going to have to do this by yourself. And that literally <laughs> sent me. I'm like, what? Thirty pages of lines alone? How? I need someone. I'm dependent. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just a lot of these experiences really prepared me mentally for larger roles and larger uh, uh, loads of work. Basically, um, really, it really set my foundation. And I had one thing there that showed me that I also had opinions that were valid and that were worthy of being expressed. Uh, There was a a sweet, very sweet lady. Um, She didn't have any lines in our scene, but she was babysitting us. And throughout the scene, I just felt like it was unnatural for her to not acknowledge us at all. So I was like, maybe she can say, hey, listen to your brother or something. And the director, uh, the director said, you know what? That's a great idea, Taj. Let's let's add that in. And then she went from uh, background to uh, day player. Wow. And that was one of the coolest things ever because I haven't had that same experience since. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really yeah. neat. Um, so continuing your parade through like different genres and different types of projects in 2013, you guest starred on the ABC sitcom, The Middle. What was that set like? Oh, uh, <laughs> Working with teenagers uh, was hilarious. I mean, it was a lot of goofing around and then ultimately ultimately leading to the director telling everyone to to get serious quite frequently. Like, everyone, silence! Come on! This is a professional set! (laughs) And then, you know, everyone's laughing under their their breath like... (sighs) 
and, you know, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of that. So that was just a fun experience. Uh, I was just a teen who did his job, mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> well, was it ever challenging for you to juggle working and auditioning with school? Yes, that is an ongoing struggle, <laughs> actually. So I'm still a student. Um, it was it was then as well because I went to Burbank High and eventually I, I did the Chesby, which is the California um, High School Proficiency Exam, which is the equivalent of a diploma or a GED. So, yeah, it was very difficult for me to continue to have unexcused absences for auditions or, or shooting projects. And I would need a work permit from my school to sign off on me being able to work. So too many unexcused absences would mean I am no longer allowed to work. So I had to basically become academically emancipated. And yeah, I took the exam. I passed it on my first try and I could have left high school after my sophomore year, but I was on the tennis team. So I wanted to play one more year of tennis. Um, And then when it was just too much to all juggle or to juggle it all, then yes, I hit the road, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) So looking back on that decision, do you feel like you missed out on anything any traditions or rites of passage from, you know, the traditional high school experience because you have this other focus? Yeah, I definitely had a different experience from the kids around me. Um, I was living a dualistic or what is it? A millennial experience where, yeah, you have like two lives um, that you're merging into one. So not having a senior prom that was something that I thought about a few times, but then I also went to prom twice. I was not a ladies man in high school, but I, I didn't have any problems either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went to prom sophomore and junior year. That kind of made up for not going senior year. And I was focused. Like I knew what I wanted. I knew what, what I wanted to do. So that balanced out maybe missing out on a few experiences that I would have wanted to have because I had some other experiences that I would not have been able to have. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you hardly ended your schooling then. So tell us about the higher education that you've pursued. Yes. Yeah, so this endless, endless <laughs> process that I just, I wonder <laughs> if it will ever come, come to a completion or a status of completion. Uh, I've been in, I started in community college at 17. Um, and I, I try taking one or two classes a semester to see how I could balance everything to see what I would have to overcompensate with, what would fall through the cracks, how can we distribute things? And it took me a long time, but one to two classes every semester for five or six years, I finally got my associates in sociology. So I loved studying sociology and I transferred uh, to Cal State LA a few years ago. Um, I was also accepted into UCLA. I'm throwing that out there, but I did not know. There's a lot of reasons, Um, but also transferred out of Cal State. So we're just, okay, we're okay. We'll figure everything out later. But now (laughs) currently... I'm in the Los Angeles Film School because I realized that I want to create and tell my own stories. And I would like someone to provide the framework and structure for me to learn how to do that with accountability and a actual commitment to finish something at a certain time. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So I'll be done in a year. <laughs> Good for you. I'm one year away. <laughs> well, continuing this like self-starter uh, aspect of you. You you also have a crystal company, which I find completely fascinating. So I want to hear about like how you got into crystals and why you decided to start a crystal business, the competitive yes. cutthroat crystal business. Right. Oh my gosh. It's super saturated. I <laughs> did not know, but I guess I did. Um, yeah. I loved crystals since I was a kid, like, since like all kids. I'm like, oh, shiny rock, shiny object. I need it. Mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I've always had a love for crystals and that never went anywhere. Um, I would throughout the years have them and not realize what I was wearing. Like when I was a teenager, I had a hematite, which is the, if you've ever seen the shiny little metallic rocks that all, uh, like some are magnetized and mm-hmm. you can all stick together and you can play with them in the little like 
pond or, or a little stack mm-hmm. of, of all of them. Yeah. So I had a necklace of that growing up and I had a tiger's eye. I just had different things, but I didn't compute that. Oh, dude, you've been wearing crystals your entire life. Um, so during the pandemic, which was something that I feel like really spawned a lot of, of, for a lot of people, just original, authentic, new thoughts that I'm producing that are coming from my place of truth. I realized that I have always been connected to them and I knew a lot about them. Why not share that knowledge with other people? Why not share that same love that you have with other people? Because there has to be someone like you that feels the same joy when they get their new little crystal they've been seeing for a while or or immediately that they wanted to get. And yeah, I just thought uh, there's ancient, I'm very scientific, but there's also this ancient knowledge associated with crystals across so many different mytho- uh, mythological um, beliefs and or theological beliefs. Like crystals are everywhere. And then I started seeing that connection. Like, oh, they're in the Bible. Oh, they're also mentioned in this and in this and in this and in Eastern medicine and in this and in this. So then I decided to become a different type of student and learn about them in that way as well. And it became uber clear to me that it's something I wanted to identify with and do with my life. So tell us the name of your company and where people can buy the crystals. Our company name is Rock of Ages. And we have an Etsy page, www.etsy.com slash shop slash rock of ages 66, as in the numbers. So slash shop slash rock of ages 66. Fantastic. You guys check it out. Well, as you look back on your career prior to GH, were there times you felt frustrated, like you weren't getting the jobs you wanted or the auditions you wanted? And if there was, was there ever a time that you thought about switching professional gears? Oh, when did I not want to quit? When I've had a lot of those moments um, throughout my career because there, there's just so many highs and there's so many lows. And honestly, it's draining. It's, it's, it's difficult to deal with because you, as, as an actor, you can have the experience of being so very close to this new existence, this new world, this new life. Um, literally I could be meeting with Ashton Kutcher at a, at a testing session for 20 minutes, having him provide me feedback and direction, but no one will ever know that I was in the room with Ashton Kutcher <laughs> for 20 minutes working on a script because I didn't get the part because I finished second place. Um, and having tons of experiences like that, eventually, you know, you are, you just want to quit. Like I'm done. No one knows that I'm doing anything. I'm so close to it. I'm so, you know, you have to know that, but I'm talented. I know that I'm talented and I'm not even going to say deserving, but like, I want this and I put in the work. So why is, why aren't the results equating to the effort that I'm putting out? And the last time I wanted to quit was in 2018. It was a transformative year. Um, I was at a, at an all-time low. I did not have an agent or a manager. And at that point, I was already an actor for 11 years. So, and I had a, you know, a body of work and, and real and IMDb credits that are verifiable. So it just didn't make any sense. And I, I told myself, I'm done. And there was one opportunity that surfaced that I said I'd give this a shot and after that if it, if it doesn't go it just doesn't go and i'm going to create another life for myself because i will not live this way anymore um that is literally and, and that was the truth i actually made this decision um the opportunity was at oxford so uh the british american drama academy oxford and yale um every summer they have an intensive a shakespearean intensive where you go there for four weeks and you live on the campus. So I was at Magdalen or Magdalen College, and I was doing Shakespeare and classical Greek texts from 8 a.m. to 6, Monday through Friday, over the weekend, preparing and literally memorizing so much Shakespeare that it took everything inside of me to accomplish it. And then taking trips to see different things at the West End or at, or at, uh, Stratford-upon-Avon, where you know, Shakespeare was born. 
So we went to the Royal Shakespearean Company, the RSC, and I just had so much inspiration. I had so much life. I fell in love with acting again in a new way, not the business of acting, but the craft. And I felt so prepared to do anything. Literally, I came back home and in two months, my third time I auditioned for TJ Ashford, I booked it. Wow. <laughs> and now I imagine you and iambic pentameter are one. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I, I live in rhythm. <laughs> I order meals in, in, in rhythm. <laughs> I would like a number four, please. <laughs> it was November 2018 that you officially took over the role of TJ Ashford. Uh, you said your third audition for TJ. So just tell third. us the, the casting story. So I auditioned for TJ in 2012. And I also believe in 2016. So for both uh, both of the moments where TJ was being played by a new actor, I went up for it. And it's funny how life works. At that time, I wasn't meant to be TJ. And the second time, I was not meant to be TJ. And the auditions were great. I had producer sessions. And the coach, uh, the on-set coach of General Hospital at the time when they had one, his name was John Homer. And it was weird because I was actually in his class so he would like prepare me and give me the, the scoop on things. And that was years before, you know, 2018, which is when I got the part. But I was already there. And when I, I realized this now, too, you guys are making me have revelations. Man, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I literally went to General Hospital, I think to the room I'm in now or one of them. And I would rehearse on stage like in the rooms, in one of the dressing rooms. I swear, I did not remember this until now, but I would go to someone's dressing room and I would rehearse with John Homa in there. So I have been, or I had been at that stage before I was there now. Um, and the last audition that I had was with Mark Tashner. I uh, love him. And I'll never forget the first audition I had. I finished. And he said, that was great. I said, thank you. And he said, thank you for doing the work. And I was like, well, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. And he was like, but not everyone does. Wow. And then I left there and I was appreciative for that feedback because we, I, I you know, I, I, I do my due diligence and he didn't have to acknowledge that, but I, I, I embedded that audition with like small specificities that, you know, did show that I put a lot of thought and, and, you know, creative energy into the performance. So just that alone, you know, inspired me because someone saw me, someone saw what I was doing and it felt different. And then two weeks later, after not hearing anything and wondering, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'm still not going to be this guy. <laughs> I heard that I had um, a callback. And in my mind, I never let the role go. I try to always let things go, but I didn't let this one go. I, I just felt like, no, there's no way it's gone. There's no way. So when I got the call back, I was not shocked. I was, I was thrilled. And I went and it's hilarious. I walk in the room, Frank and everyone, Frank, the producer, um, our executive producer, uh, they're, they're, we're in his office and they're sitting in like a rectangle formation of chairs, right? I walk past where I'm supposed to audition into the center of the chair. <laughs> and Mark's like, Taj, can we actually have you over here? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, I guess I just uh, wanted to kick it with you guys over here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you idiot. Terrible start. <laughs> Terrible start. Uh, of course, I had to compartmentalize that in the same time as having that thought because you can't audition with that. You just can't. Can't. It's not conductive um, or productive. So we start, and I just remember mid scene. I had a lot of energy, and perhaps I wasn't present like I should have been. I was moving through the scene quicker or more quickly than I did in my initial audition. And I, I'm I'm looking into Mark's eyes, and there's just I've never even told him this, but there's something he did with his head, a small movement, and there was something. There was a fixation um, that I had with his eyes in this moment that literally translated slow down, like breathe, give this space. And I did. And I could feel the scene change. And I used that same vibe. And I followed that until the end of the script. 
and it just felt very good. And I felt very, again, thankful that Mark, whatever he did telepathically or, or I'm not sure what it was, but I, I felt the message, slow down, take your time through this. And that evening I was on a veil for the part and there were dates that they were asking about my availability. And I was doing jumping jacks and cartwheels <laughs> in the living room at the same time with my family. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, did you have any well, past familiarity with soaps? Like, did you grow up around soaps? Did you know anyone who watched soaps? So another funny thing, I'm probably a, I, I, just being a young man, I think I've watched more soaps than any other young man <laughs> that I'll ever meet because my mom daily daily since birth will religiously have bold and the beautiful on her television i knew everyone since i was six and then as the world turns and then she loves general hospital too but honestly her favorite was bold and the beautiful she she still watches it and i'm like mom come on what do you mean <laughs> I, I let her have it i'm like i let her have it but secretly, I'm like, you, you, you better think General Hospital is number one. Uh, I know you have your original loyalties. That's fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I literally, like, I knew storylines, characters. I knew deep things about <laughs> those shows. So it, it, even when I met some of the other actors this year, I met some at the Daytime Emmys. And I hit it off with them. And I'm like, man, also, it's just a pleasure to meet you. I totally know your work. <laughs> <laughs> Like my whole life. Yeah. I'm like, I've seen you grow, man. That's you're you're doing it. Like way to really hold on to that storyline you got because you've needed that for five years. That's true. Yeah. So, so um, feels natural that I've I've mm -hmm. transitioned into this to this medium of entertainment. I was mm -hmm. I grew up in it. Yeah, you were being you were being trained, and you didn't even realize. Um, Unconscious so, seasoning. <laughs> so you um, you began as TJ right around the time that Curtis and Jordan were getting married. Um, yes. Two key characters in TJ's life. Curtis, of course, played by Donald Turner at the time. Yeah. Uh, Brianna Nicole Henry had recently started playing Jordan. So uh, yeah. tell us about the relationship that you developed off screen with those two actors who were certainly part of introducing you to the world of GH. Right. Love them both. They have been incredible mentors, friends, um, and advocates since day one. Brianna was the first person I met at General Hospital. She stopped me when I was there for my first fitting. Um, and she just she stopped me. She was like, hey, are you playing my son? I'm like, uh, yes, are you? Because are you, she was uh, brand new as well. So I haven't seen her. Um, I haven't seen her in the part. I've only saw the original actress. So I was like, yes, I am. And who are you playing? I'm your mom. And we, we hit it off. We talked. We both connected about how unfamiliar we were with everything. So we decided that we would help each other out. Like, hey, I'm new, you're new. Whatever information I don't know about our relationship that you know, tell me and vice versa, because we have to pull this off as if this is authentic and real, obviously, given we're actors and you're my mom and I'm your son and we're three years apart in age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Three years. My older brother is the same age as Brianna. So, you know, I will say, Everyone, she is the most incredible actress. I am not qualified to be her son, but she looked at me, connected to me, and related to me in that maternal way with only, what, less than a thousand days of separation. <laughs> so kudos to her. She's wonderful. And yes, yeah, she's a great friend. Love her so much. Donnell is amazing. Um, we, we have our, our actor talks to where we, you know, we, we, we discuss like how we can move into our, our best selves more quickly because the environment of general hospital is incomprehensibly faster than anything else. Um, for example, you can shoot two or three episodes in a day on uh, NCIS, you shoot that in a week. You know, so he helped me really adapt and uh, learn how to drop in to character per se, 
or uh, just into whatever emotional setting you need to be in or, or, or into the mood of what's happening faster. And I could study him and watch him and, and just always ask him things. And he never, ever made me feel like that wasn't something that was that I couldn't do. He encouraged it and he took on that role confidently and honestly, like genuinely. So I love him. That's my actual uncle. We just, uh, we're also just cast as that, but he's real life uncle now. Um, yeah he's so much fun he's just he's great everyone's great well another important member of your on-screen family is the legendary Renee Watson who plays Aunt Stella so tell us about working with her she literally demands life like she demands everyone's attention and not it's in a positive way like she walks in and it's her time it's She's such a light and a professional at the same time. She's someone that is able to focus, but then make everyone die laughing as soon as we cut. Um, She is the example of a veteran, and she's the example of being humble, but vibrant and being love. But also, hey, it's time to focus. Shut your mouth. That's work. (laughs) That's work. So I'll never... And every time I work with her, I'm excited because I know we're going to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and find nuances in the sides. And and we're going to create. We're going to co-create. Every time I work with her, it's a co-creation operation. <laughs> that rhymed unintentional. <laughs> that did. Very nice. Unintentional. Co-creation operation. Dedication. Okay. Now I'm done. There we go. <laughs> Um, so TJ and Molly were already like six years into their romantic relationship when you started on the show. So that was right. obviously, you know, like an intimacy you had to start playing right away. What were your first impressions of Ms. Haley Poulos, who plays Molly, and were they accurate? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, oh, wait, first impression, as, as in when I saw her on camera versus in real life. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm, what was my first impression? Wow. I mean, I thought she was super talented. That was my first impression. Like, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna have to show up. <laughs> we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to show up so we can hold our weight. Um, but no, I thought, I thought she was very talented. I knew she was a child actor, um, as well. So I thought we would have a lot in common also. That was my first impression. Commonalities mm-hmm. and that she was so super talented and amazing at what she does. So we actually decided for camaraderie purposes to meet up and uh, get ceviche. Uh, like when we, when I was first cast. So yeah, we, we had a nice little lunch, hit some ceviche at this, uh, at this place that I can't remember. I think it was in Granada Hills or Porter ranch. And yeah, like we hit it off. And to this day, we are great friends. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Now, some, something we've seen happen on screen as TJ, we've seen you both with a mustache and without one. <laughs> so two-part question. Why'd you grow it? Why'd you shave it off? And actually maybe three-part looks like it's back. <laughs> yes. You know, first, wait, are we saying that that we noticed I had a mustache as TJ <laughs> yeah. or, or as Taj? Oh, so, yeah, normally clean shaven is the uh, the thing, but sometimes I do shave the night before and there's like a shadow, like the classic, or maybe it's a four o'clock. I don't even know if it's a five o'clock, <laughs> shadow, but it's, there's enough undergrowth that shades me nicely and it's okay for that day. <laughs> That's how it happened. Uh, if, if it were up to me, I would always have facial hair because I feel more grounded in my my sense of self with it. Um, <laughs> but that is the story. Yeah, it's literally a matter of shaving the night before. And, and sometimes there it just grows back a little faster than it should. And I can't really shave it again because there's not anything to shave. <laughs> <laughs> I have to Noted. wait another day and a half. All righty. <laughs> yes. Mystery well, solved. You know, maybe we'll see more. Maybe we'll see more. I'll, uh, I'm going to petition actually to, to, to bring the shadow to life. Well, then here's another sort of random question for you. Um, okay. I don't know if you've had scenes with him, but being as into basketball as you are, have you gotten to interact with Stephen A. Smith, the ESPN star who plays Brick? Oh, guys, this hunts me. I watch first take. 
I've been watching it for a long time. Years. I've been Stephen A's fan since the beginning of fandom. And I have not met Stephen A. No, our schedules just don't align for some reason. I'm never scheduled when he's there. I even realized that he was there after me one of the days recently. And I don't know what to do about it. So maybe you guys could just put it out there for me as well. Like, hey, Stephen A., Taj is a huge sports fan. He loves teams and can talk to you about it in detail on your show. <laughs> what? What? Me as a guest? Oh, wow. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I have to check with, you know, my team to make sure I'm available, but I, I think I could manage. Yeah. Last year, uh, Sean Blakemore came back to the show as Sean Butler, TJ's biological father. And I'm so sad that we didn't get to see more of that relationship develop yeah. uh, during the time that Sean was back. But tell us about your experience working with him and having him on set. Yeah, so working with Sean, um, I'm guaranteed to always learn something, to hear a thoroughly entertaining story because he is a wonderful storyteller, and just to have a great time. Um, he's like Renee. You know, we, we, we laugh. We transition into that frame of, of, of thinking to where it's, you know, it's time to, to dive into the scene and whatever, whatever energy is present there. But working with him, especially in, in emotionally vulnerable or, or demanding scenes, was always great because um, there was just a, a trust that we had in each other um, to take things a little further, to take that even further than that. Or to simply allow whatever we started with right here to be enough. Uh, we had a great dialogue and a great just connection as both humans, people, but as actors. So those scenes you saw where, you know, we would hug and you know, just transmute love. Like that was real. That was real. We didn't have to, we didn't have to drop into anything. We just had like a love and a respect for each other. That was just innately there from day one. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you also have a new on-screen mom in the form of Tanisha Harper. So although we yes. haven't seen a lot of interaction between TJ and Jordan, tell us about working with Tanisha. So the interaction is finally starting to become a little more prevalent and prominent. Um, she is a star. She's so, so eloquent, but, but beautiful and strong and, and, and she's charismatic and she's super intelligent and she just, she's everything. Um, I love working with her. I, and she's a jokester too. <laughs> she's, she's definitely a jokester. I, I, she has stature. That's something that I like a lot about her. I feel naturally I can feel the authority in her. Um, mm -hmm. So believing that she is my tough, uh, no-nonsense mother, who's also the commissioner, that will investigate and find the secrets to everything. It's, it's so easily believable with her. And yeah, we, we have great rehearsal sessions. We haven't been able to spend too much time outside of work yet, just due, uh, just due to scheduling issues. But Every time I work with her on set, it's a it's a great day. And I feel like we're really getting our groove. Like Stella got her groove back. Like we're really <laughs> <laughs> we're really finding it. So because you know it's it's different. Like we're 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 it's all we're both, you know, we're we're mother and son, but just uh yeah, moving in the space together in that same way. Uh we're we've been really figuring it out. And it's gonna it's gonna be really good. I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, another like big development that happened for you on the GH front this past year is that you were put on contract. So tell us what that meant to you. I know it meant uh, a smile on my face as a TJ fan. Yeah, it's what it meant to me was it, it just it, it felt like a very full circle moment for my for my life and for the sacrifices that that I've made, you know, it, it was a moment to where it really validated my choices and my experiences and the highs and the lows, the good and the bad. It, it validated everything. And it, it, it means more to me than I can actually articulate. I've wanted to be a regular for 15 years and I've worked for it. And the place that I love, the people that I love, the show that I love, they they allowed me and gave me that chance to do that and believed in me enough to do that. So thankful is an understatement. Uh, happy is an understatement. 
it's everything. It's really everything. I get to do what I what I love to do for a living. I get to be a young black man who's a doctor weekly. I get to show you know kids that there's the, the visibility of 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 the diverse roles we can take on in society. General Hospital also gave me a chance to do that. Um, I'm just very appreciative. It's it's much more than words can express, but I'm in love with them and we have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. We're going steady. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you mentioned, TJ is a doctor now, which kind of fulfills your childhood dreams of being a neurosurgeon in a sense. Um, now he is really in the thick of this story with Willow, played by Caitlin McMullen. Uh, obviously, it was TJ who first suspected that Willow might have leukemia, and we've seen him be a mm-hmm. confidant to her as she grapples with her diagnoses. So first of all, tell us about Katie and working with her. Katie's a light. She is one of my really, 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 really good friends who I trust very deeply. She's amazing. She's a one of a kind human. And our scenes are really a reflection of the trust and the love that we have for each other. She, um, funny, funny story. When I first worked, uh, when I was first TJ, when I was first hired as a recurring role on the show, we had not interacted uh, as characters, but we would pass by each other. And we would say, hey, we're going to have scenes one day. And one time, still without having scenes at General Hospital, we saw each other at a subway callback for a commercial. And we're like, hey, 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 we're like, hey, (laughs) (laughs) and we're like, yo, it's destiny. We're going to actually work together on the show. Our characters are going to interact. Watch. And this was years ago. Um, And fast forward. Here we are. Close friends. And uh, I, I mean, the storyline is, oh, God, it's very hard. But to do that with her and to explore this scenario and this this life event for her character and family, it's very fulfilling. And we have a lot more to go. So a lot more to see. And I'm still, you know, it's, it's being unveiled to me as well as as time uh, as time goes on. So I'm just excited to see where, where they fully take everything and, and how it will pan out. But I love our friendship. Taj, you know, when a when a man and a woman are in scenes together on General Hospital, the fans tend to talk about whether there's chemistry. And really, from the get-go, fans were seeing some chemistry there. Um, there's a prediction or a theory that maybe there could be more than friendship ultimately between the two. You know, what do you think about that possibility and the possibility of a TJ Molly shakeup. And is that something that you and Katie have discussed? You and Haley have discussed? Is it something you've discussed with Chad Duell? Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, in this world, <laughs> all things are possible always. So I will not be the person to tell you that this will not happen or that that will not happen. All I can really say is that we are exploring the connections that are currently playing out in Port Charles, Monday through Friday. (laughs) (laughs) We are seeing TJ and Willow support each other in in a new light, and we will continue to see that. Where that leads, only they know. Mm -hmm. But I repeat, all things are possible. And on that note, I digress. Yeah, that was that was appropriately cheesy. I like it. Um, well, it seems like there's also some more Ashford family drama coming down the pike now that the question of Trina's paternity is being picked up. So would you welcome a new member of the family if it turned out that Trina was indeed Curtis's daughter? Right. Ooh, that and then the marriage that is... Is it, is it over? Is it not? There's, there's some family things. But yeah, of course, Trina can definitely be family. That would be really cool. <laughs> and I love Tabna. She's she's a fireball of comedy. Like, <laughs> if you can, like, just the energy of fire shaped in a sphere that makes you laugh. I don't know if that translates into a thing, but that's her. She's amazing. <laughs> I would love for her to be family. Um, and I like that our characters have, have had important interactions, especially in regards to key witnesses and, and things like that, because I've been waiting for us to interact. I've been waiting for us to share moments. I'm like, my uncle is with your mom. <laughs> I work with your mom. <laughs> yep. 
let's talk. <laughs> you have to interact. Like it's 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 something that has to happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would be great. More families are always a good thing. TJ loves family. TJ advocated for Grandpa Marshall to be part of the family fiercely. So no, he would love it. I would love it. Me and he. <laughs> he and me. GH has been your professional home for almost four years now. So like, who are your, you know, buddies behind the scenes and the castmates that you socialize with? Yeah. Yep. Four years in a matter of like 60 days or <laughs> getting close. I think October 24th is my official like higher date um, right there. Yes. You know what? I am building new relationships and maintaining current ones. Like uh, Evan, who plays Dex, uh, me and him, I like him a lot. He is a interesting young fellow and we're similar in age. So uh, we're going to, we're definitely going to hang out. We, we've had a, a guy's dinner with Chad and, and Johnny and uh, you know, a few other, few other, few other friends, but yeah, I really like him. I love Donnell. Uh, I love Katie, uh, Katie and Wow, there's just so many people. I mean, everyone, but who do I hang out with? That is the question. Definitely Katie, definitely Haley, definitely Evan, Donnell, Brianna. Uh, less less recently, though, because, uh, you know, she just had her beautiful baby. So she's been growing and expanding into uh, being a mother, which obviously is life consuming. So we will have our day in the sun again. Well, um, in 2021, you earned your first daytime Emmy nomination. So tell us what that recognition meant to you. That is still something I'm processing. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't fully absorbed into my mind as something that's happened. Maybe it's the pandemic era that led to, uh, that's causing that too. But it, it, to be acknowledged by my peers um, as doing work that was above average or or commendable or, or extraordinary or whatever you would like to describe it as it's it means the world um i obviously have an immense amount of respect for my peers and there's so many great actors on so many shows so for my name to have a moment in the sun and then for me to be the only uh male in the category uh last year as well when i was nominated I felt amazing. I felt like it wasn't real. And I still don't know if I do, but I am now aware that there are plaques. <laughs> there are plaques for this. You know, I, I really just, um, I just discovered this last week when I was getting drinks with Brianna Lane and Katie, uh, AKA Willow, and Brianna Lane, AKA. Um, temporary Brooklyn. Yes, temporary <laughs> Brooklyn. So, we talked about, well, she brought it up. She's like, you know, guys, that's plaques, right? Like that acknowledge that you were nominated and you can get them from the Academy. I'm like, no, you can't. What? And we were on this website looking at these incredible plaques, like gold and wood and all these amazing frames. And then that's when it sunk in. I was like, yo, you actually did this. This happened. And we have to get one of these because the nomination is what we all say, but that's that's the award, you know? That's that's it. Being considered with all of these phenomenal people. Everyone's a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on a tangent there. I tend to do that. I have ADHD, so it happens. <laughs> I will I will talk about hot dogs and then space in the same sentence and try to make them connect. I don't know how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Taj, before we let you go, uh, we'd like just love to give you the floor to speak directly to uh, all the GH fans listening. So is there is there anything you would like to say to the viewers who have pretty much fallen in love with TJ and with your portrayal of him uh, over the course of these almost four years? I love you guys so much. Um, thank you for riding with me, transitioning with me, uh, giving me uh, time and space to grow into TJ and what it means for TJ to live in me um, and for me to be that vessel. Uh, and uh, yeah, just just hanging in there, you know, because it took a little bit of time to involve TJ into the fabric of, of stories that, you know, were relevant and important and it took me a little time to really put my spin on things, but there was a lot of support in that transition. And now there's more support than ever. I'm overwhelmed by how kind 
everyone's being and just yeah keep giving me feedback let me know the moments that you loved let me know the small choices that you like like oh i loved how he hugged her in, in this moment or how he like had this smirk in this moment like i live for that i live to see how you're responding to to me and to, and to what i'm bringing every day so i want to come back better and more connected and more fun because I want us to continue to love and enjoy Port Charles together. So keep reaching out, stay in my ear, stay in my my optical space of, of perception. I need to know what you think. So thank you guys for being both. Basically here. what you're saying, Taj, is at me. <laughs> at me. <laughs> that That's is, great. No. <laughs> at me. That is the greatest simplification of all time. <laughs> but yeah, I would just like to say thank you guys and um, at me. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that you're feeling all of the love because I feel like TJ is hot right now. He is having a moment and we're all here for it. Yeah, we were trending. I trended for the first time like two weeks ago. I was like, oh no, that actually says TJ on Twitter in the entertainment <laughs> section. Next to Marvel and, and Hulu and, and and all of these new things dropping today. It was crazy. The, the outpour has been insane. So, yes, at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's keep it going. TJ has a lot of exciting yeah. stuff coming up, and we look forward to seeing it. Um, and just awesome. thank you so much for your time today, Taj. It was great to talk to you and get to know you better. And, again, we look forward to seeing what's ahead for your alter ego. Oh, yes. It was a blast. Thank you guys for having me. Look forward to doing this again. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Taj Bello for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.